So, who read Tozer's book this week, the chapter on Omni, whatever that is? O-M-N-I-P-O-T-E-N-C-E. Okay, so, so most everybody had a chance to read it. Okay, so, so most of you then read Tozer's book this week on, on, on this attribute of God. Um, who... <laughs> yeah. um, who read God's book? On, uh, see, because here, here we have a book, and, and uh, this is just a reminder that, uh, you know, it's just, a, it's just a nice little study guide written by a man who gets up in the morning and puts his pants on one leg at a time. Well, he doesn't anymore, but he put his pants on one leg at a time, just like the rest of us. Okay? Just a man. But when we're really studying and we're looking at Scripture... Um, we should be picking up God's word, amen? Yeah. And then we should be taking a look at what God's word has to say because we've got to make sure that whatever somebody wrote in one of these here now books winds up with what God already wrote in this the book. Okay. That's critically important. And one of the things that we do, of course, is if you have a study Bible or if you don't have a study Bible, you can just go right online. You can go to Bible Gateway or Bible Hub or or there's several good ones online, and you can cross-reference. So I love it when Tozer starts out with four scriptures that we're going to look at here in just a minute, and then we can take a look at those scriptures and then cross-reference those to what God's Word says about the same topic elsewhere in Scripture. And I've got a, by pretty good authority, I'm confident that you are going to find that when you cross-reference Anything in Scripture that whatever is cross-referenced in Scripture will line up with what you just read in Scripture. Okay, and that's not always the case in a book. Okay, and so a few people this week this week asked me questions about this book. So I know some of you read the chapter in advance because there was some head scratching going on. How many of you felt like this particular chapter was a little bit more readable? And doable, if you will, from the first three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a, I had the same, that same sense. It's, it's almost like Tozer is, is bringing it together in such a way that I can make sense of it. Yeah. And, and that's a good thing. And that's a really good thing. So the question then is, is that, by the way, how do we break? I have a question from last week. Oh, we have a question from last week. Let me see. It's not a question. Okay. Okay. That's under the red tab. Last week was a red tab. We were talking about, you know, the question, does anybody, any man, seeing the face of God? Mm-hmm. And so you said the transfiguration. Um, but, you know, I was thinking of the verse, and I didn't have it last week, but it's Exodus 33:20, where God, he's talking to Moses, and he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And I think that verse, you know, he was talking about the full, his full glory of God. Like we're saying, the attributes is beyond description. The full glory of God. So even at the transfiguration, they might have seen a partial glory. <laughs> I mean, that's my thought. I so don't think the they could so behold God in put all the world. Put it in the form of a question. Well, no, it was a clerk because you were asking, you know, you said, well, no, at the transfiguration, they they saw Jesus and he's God. And that, ah, yeah. 
That's it. <laughs> so the clarification is that we have the three persons of the Trinity. God the Father, who no one has seen. Excellent. We have God the Son, who many have seen. Glorified. We have God the Holy Spirit. And in the context that we had that question arise last week, we were saying, has anybody seen God? The answer was, yes, God the Son. Oh, but not in his full glory. That was my, was my point. Not in, in Jesus' full glory or God the Father's full glory? No, Jesus. Example, by the way, of taking that particular scripture 
reference that you just quoted and then taking a look at cross-referencing that and see how many places you can go in Scripture to get some biblical references, not, not some extra-biblical references to the glory of God and, and, and Jesus in, in his glorified state in the transfiguration. It would be good to say that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure what you mean by the transfiguration. The transfiguration is when he was with Moses and Elijah. Right. So that's not the resurrection. That's not the, that's not his resurrected state when he when when he was uh, when he ascended. We're talking about two different things. Yeah. But we're talking essentially. Is thank you for that clarification because what we're talking about is we're talking about about Jesus in his ascension um, to be at the right hand of the Father. And when and did 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 then Jesus change or was he still God? Because people saw him. Well he was God. Okay. glorified All I'm saying is regardless regardless we have to be very careful to understand that there is one God in essence and three in person. That's all. Yeah. And Jesus is, is fully God. But when God the Father manifests in the burning bush, for example, when God the Father was on the top of the mountain and Moses went to the top of the mountain, he came back so so shining because of being in the presence of, not seeing, but being in the presence of. We have to be very careful about, about uh, what the Bible says about that versus, versus the boys that we're just following Jesus around, fully God, fully man. And don't ask me to explain that. It's impossible for me to explain that. I don't, I don't think anybody can explain it. I can, I can, again, I can apprehend it, but it's very difficult to comprehend how Jesus could be fully God and fully man. He gave up his, uh, his Godhood, if you will, so that he could do what he did on earth, and yet he was still God, fully God. I, I can say it. But I, I, it's very difficult for me to comprehend in my finite state. Jesus said it in the All of that. I've read it all more than once. <laughs> but it's very difficult to to, 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 to wrap my, my my brain around it. And so and it's not a significant theological point in any event. Uh, what's what's significant is is that is that, that we worship uh, one God in three persons. Okay. And, uh, and our faith is in Jesus Christ. And it's really important um, that the object of your faith be known. Uh, because it's the object of your faith that's important. People put faith in all kinds of things. But we put faith in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Okay, that's enough for tonight. Let's go on. <laughs> what did you learn about... Wait a minute. Before we do that, how do you pronounce this word, by the way? Is it is it omnipotence or is it omnipotence? It's omnipotence. You've always heard it as omnipotence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really interesting because last week I I did a I did a test last week. If you didn't notice it, yes, I did. Did you notice it? Yes, I did. Nobody said anything. I wondered if anybody was going to say anything on Sunday uh, when I when I pronounced it. Omnipotent, as uh, as opposed to omnipotent. Omni is the. Omni is. It's like a, well, it's it's not. I wouldn't call it a root word, but it's it's 
meaning all. Yes. And so when it's in front of all those words, it proceeds. And by golly, you know for a fact that we're going to define this word, aren't we? Aren't we? <laughs> okay. So, but let's take a look at these four verses that Tozer starts with, because it really starts to set the tone for the chapter, and I think that's really important. So, uh, Genesis, so just randomly, if some of you will go to Genesis 17.1, now if you go to Matthew 19.26, somebody else go to Luke 1.37, and somebody else Revelation 19.6. They're all on your list. Ah, right there. They're all on your list. And so now the first person that gets to Genesis 17.1, would you just read that, please? And tell me which version. I hope it's the NIV, but it doesn't have to be. NIV. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Matthew 19.26. Jesus looked at them and said, I got to talk louder. Jesus looked at them and said, with, uh, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Luke 137? <coughs> for Luke, uh, for Luke, God, that means will be impossible. King James? King James? Okay, somebody want to do it? Somebody have the NIV that is at Luke 137? Yes. You got that too? Sally? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> for nothing is impossible. For nothing is impossible. That's in the NIV? Yes. You sure? <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, okay, good. Revelation 19.6? Ah, there's that word omnipotent. New King James? Okay, somebody now read it in the NIV. Revelation 19.6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Okay, interesting. So in the King James, we see the word omnipotence, and, and we don't see that in many of the other most. Even the, even the 1599 Geneva, Scotty, I was thinking about you when I was looking at that this week. Now, even the 1599 Geneva Bible uses the word Almighty, Lord God Almighty, as opposed to omnipotent. So, uh, interesting. What about the word, what did you learn this week in reading Tozer and Scripture relative to the word omnipotent? And did you consider the word Almighty in its stead? Anyone? Never got there? Okay. Never thought it. Okay. Ah. Interesting. So we have the Latin derivative, and the King James uses that word, omnipotent, and yet we see almighty uh, in its place. Um, because Tozer says, and I don't have any issue with Tozer saying that that's more of an Anglo-Saxon word. So we, you know, words have changed over time, and we know that. And so, uh, so what we what we're confronted then with is dealing with this this attribute of God, this omnipotence, as we call it, uh, which means, by the way, what? All powerful. All powerful. 
Mighty means all might. All the might. All the power. Every bit of it. Now, that's a challenging concept to wrap our brain around because we think of power in terms of having some and then letting loose of it. Okay? I turn on the light switch. There's power. Something happens down at Ormond Beach or wherever it's generated. You know? Uh, we're depleting some when we turn on the lights. And it has to be, there has to be more. But with God, it doesn't work that way. God has, God has all the power all the time. And so there's never a depletion because God is all mighty, all powerful. What's your definition of omnipotence? Almighty, almighty. Okay. Yeah. And, and there's the point because we're, we can only go back to the biblical definition because that has to set the tone for looking at the rest of what Tozer says and of course all of what Scripture says about this attribute of God that is quite frankly, uh, pretty amazing. And one of the easier attributes to, to wrap my head around. Because it's really hard to wrap my head around some of God's other attributes. But this all-powerful thing, you know what? I, th- I think I'm starting to get it. I mean, on, on, on some level, anyway. Kenny? Just for the clarity for me in this chapter was that, as we know, on the seventh day God rested. We didn't need to rest. Interesting, because if, if God is omnipotent, but on the on the on which day did He rest on? Okay, so He rested on the seventh day, and, and rest in the original language means rest, and so He rested. And and the question is, if He's all powerful and He doesn't lose any, there's nothing that is drained out of God when He doesn't. We're going to see this in just a, in just a few minutes. Um, did He really need to rest, or was that for us? It's really interesting. So, yeah. No, he didn't use it up because he has it all. That's amazing. He, he has it all. All the power expended in the creation. Like to look at the, the mm-hmm. couple pictures that the Hubble telescope mm-hmm. that he expended all that power to do all of that, and he didn't have any less power. Than that. No, he didn't have any less power. So Tozer says in his book that uh, that Almighty is uh, is having an infinite and absolute plenitude of power, and I'm sure that every one of you saw that word plenitude and knew exactly what it meant right away. So when I got my 57 Webster's out uh, to make sure I understood what he was talking about with that word plenitude, of course, it, it just means it just means fullness. It just means full. Okay. And so um, I, I always read those kinds of things, and I say, I didn't just say full. I mean, keep it simple here. But, but sometimes uh, authors don't do that. So the point is, is that Almighty is having an infinite. Now, what did we look at in terms of God's other attri- attributes? He's infinite. Okay, and this almighty description then is having an infinite, eternal, (laughs) no, there's no beginning, no end to, there's no way to measure, okay, um, fullness of power. That's all power. Now I want you to start thinking right now for the rest of the evening until we go home. I want you to now begin to just personalize the attribute of God that we call his omnipotence. Start to personalize it just now. 
because we're going to read some scriptures and we're going to see that it matters. Because everybody in this room, raise your hand if you already believe that God is omnipotent. Okay. So, it's a no-brainer, right? It just is. It's a no-brainer. So, what we know, we just read four scriptures. And Tozer puts them out there. So, Genesis 17, 1 says that God Almighty, we just took a look at what Almighty means. So, we see God the Omnipotent One there in Genesis, in Genesis 17, 1. And then in the New Testament, we go to Matthew, and it says that all things are possible. Well, what is all? All is still everything. It's still all. So if all, that means that if all things are possible, that means the things we can't even conceive of are possible. Okay? That's all. That's omnipotent. And then in Luke, we see that, that, um, that nothing will be impossible, which is just a flip of what of what Matthew said. And then in Revelation we see actual the actual word omnipotent or almighty. So here we here we have this this no brainer part of it is kind of like this. Here's some bullet points. God has unlimited and infinite power. Yes? Yeah, we just read that. God has absolute power. Yes? His battery never runs down. Okay, his battery never runs down. So, absolute. So, infinite, unlimited, absolute. We agree to that because we just read these in Scripture. Um, he has all the power that there is. Right? Okay. He's always had all the power that there is. And he always will have. These are the attributes we just looked at over the last couple of weeks. Okay? And he's able to do all things because nothing is impossible for him. How many have quoted these types of scriptures? We all have. Well, nothing's impossible for God. Personalize it. That's the hard part. Okay. Personalize it. Uh-oh. See, here's the deal. God is all-powerful. We worship an all-powerful God, an infinite God, one that has unlimited power. It's absolute. There is no more power that exists. God has it. All of it. Every bit of it. Huh. So, do you... Do you know that? Let me ask you this. Do you know that by reason or revelation? Oh, you just all said you know it. Okay, that's not the question. The question you already answered is you know it. How do you know it? By reason or by revelation? What? Excuse me? The revelation of God's word. The revelation of God's word. So are you telling me personally, Joanne, that you know about God's omnipotence, His all-powerful, infinite, unlimited, absolute, nothing is impossible for God's power. He has it all. You know that because it was revealed to you in Scripture. Well, yes, in Scripture... Okay. But also, as I said, in creation, oh, in creation too. Okay. And in the way everything goes, the way he said it was going to go. 
Okay, so what's the difference between reason and revelation? I think I would change that a little bit. I would say I know what I said. Ah, okay. Did you read my notes? So, (laughs) before we get to that part, what's the difference between reason and revelation? Based on fact. Reason is based on fact, or revelation is based on fact? Not reason. Reason is based on faith. Okay. Is it? Is this a a philosophical question? No. It's not? Okay. Absolutely. Thank you for that answer. That's beautifully spoken. You see, because it's imperative as we personalize this, this is an attribute of God. This is who God is. He just is. And he's telling us who he is by revelation. You should write a book. That was beautiful. And if it's by reason, we're doomed. Because reasoning means that it's just by our thought. We've thought our way through it. There's philosophical thought. There might even be theological considerations. But if it's just we think that it's true, or we think that God has revealed it to us, and it's not applied from a supernatural point of view, internalized and made personal, you are never going to get it. You have to understand it is supernatural, and it is by the Spirit, by the power of God the Holy Spirit, that these things have to be revealed to you. Otherwise, you're going to stumble around, and you're just going to stumble around, and you're going to go to Bible studies, and I don't say y'all, I'm including myself in this, and we're going to obtain more knowledge, but it will not go anywhere. It has to be by revelation. So that's why I asked you the question when we started. In your reading Tozer's book, did you read God's book? Because if you read God's book, and you start by asking him to reveal to you, that's my prayer every time we come here. On a Wednesday night, God, will you reveal to us, including me, will you reveal to us, through the power of your Spirit, what it is that you have for us, even if it's just one piece, God, that is going to be applicable to my life, supernaturally, in our spirit. And when we talk about walking in the Spirit, we can use the knowledge that we gain that is revealed to us by the Spirit to walk in the Spirit. And if we try to do it in our flesh, or if we try to do it by reasoning, or if we try to just gain more knowledge, um, don't. Just don't do that. Let's go home if we're going to do that. Because we're wasting our time. Uh-oh. That's a pretty powerful statement, huh? But it's true. It's true. So it matters that it is revealed. So we need to get this because... We, here's the important thing. I'll use that word diatheke again because I like it. And diatheke is the greater to the lesser, right? And so we have this we have this, this omnipotent God. All-powerful. And, and I'm hoping that he's revealing things to us because he's on the throne and we're not. 
So personalize it. I'm going to ask you this several times tonight to continue to personalize this. So we know, the question then becomes, Steve, do you believe it? I like Kathy's answer. She was really emphatic. This is not with much emphasis. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God is omnipotent? Proper question. Because how did you how did you do today? <laughs> I had a horrible day today. Okay, how, how, how are you? And how, were you walking in the spirit today? Uh, uh, and so, and what about tomorrow? Uh, and so, and if we didn't have a good day today, what do we do about that? We say thank you, Lord. <laughs> okay, personalize it. Reason or revelation? I'm hoping that by the end of the night we're going to have some revelation. Okay, so. What we need to understand is whether or not we believe it. Well, you have to do a little both there, like for my day. You have to reason with what's going on and then trust God that it's all going to be fine. Can I argue with you? Sure. Yeah, I don't think you have to reason about anything. God is. And He is all powerful. It's not about God. God. You, how are you, how are you going to receive okay. what just Hold on to that. Hold on to that because we're going to get there. And because even Tozer uses some pretty interesting illustrations in this in this uh, this truth about God's omni omni oh omnipotent. Okay, so 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 we know. Okay, so we're trying to comprehend. We've apprehended it. We believe. We think. Hold on to that. We, we believe. We're pretty sure we believe. It's a supernatural, it's a spiritual thing. No question about it. Because if we try to reason our way through it, then we don't believe it. You have not driven the stake in the ground if you're trying to reason your way through it. You either believe it or you don't. And we, we're going to see another biblical uh, uh, illustration of that. So, God has power, number one. God has power, right? right. That's kind of a duh moment. Those of us that are believers, God has power. Even the demons believe that. Most people that are agnostic that I've run across, kind of God neutral, believe that God has power. Even if they don't have a relationship with Him, they believe that God has power. Turn to Psalm 62:11, and then somebody can sneak ahead by turning to Romans 1:20. Steve, who owns your boat? Physically, I mean, but God owns it. Okay, God owns it. <laughs> God owns, and you're the temporary steward of that boat. Somebody read Psalm 62:11, please. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. That's great. Is that 62:11? No. I didn't think so. One thing God has spoken, two things I heard, that you, O God, are strong. Okay. 
And I'm sure you have an NIV. Will you read it in the NIV? One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard, that you, O oh God, are strong. Mm. And <clears throat> I like the version that says, and power belongs to you, God. Mm-hmm. Now, you have excuse me, when I study, I like to bounce around between different, between different um, uh, translations. Um, and I don't think it's wrong to pick and choose the ones I like. It's all God's word. Um, uh, and there are some bad translations, but, but most of them are good, and I'm okay with them. And anyway, power belongs to you, God. So who owns your boat? And uh, who owns power? Okay. You know that by reason or by revelation? Okay. I hope so. I hope so. Revelation. Romans one twenty. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. What kind of power does God have? Eternal. Eternal. Isn't that an attribute? Eternality? Isn't that an attribute of God? Okay. And we understand that to some degree, don't we? We understand that time doesn't apply to God, but all power does. It's eternal. It's total. It's complete. It's absolute. There is no more. He has it all. Okay? Think about that. What's the difference between God's eternal power and infinite power? Mm-hmm. So, answer the question. What's the difference then between God's eternal power and infinite power? <laughs> That's an interesting question because is there an example? Can you think of an example? Just one of example of just God's power. Creation. Creation. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good one. Still the storm raised Lazarus. I'll bet if you thought about it for a little bit, you could you could you could come up with a list of a hundred. Would be my guess. Okay, so there are many examples of God's power and. Have you reasoned that? Is that just what you think, or has that been? Is that by revelation? Okay, do you believe it? Okay, do you believe it? Okay, how about God is the source of all power? I mean, that's what we read. Tozer, I love these four scriptures that Tozer started with. He even said in his book, I could have picked a whole bunch of other ones, but I picked these four. Okay, and you got to start somewhere, right? And so it says, God is the source of all power. True or false? He is the source of all power. Do you remember the illustration that Tozer used when he was talking about that source of power? Huh? He was, excuse me? No, he wasn't talking about a battery, unless I missed that. Because one of the comments he made is that God, as the source of all power, has to be equal to or greater than all the power there is. Because if you're the source... Have a quart of milk come out of the bottle. The bottle has to be big enough to hold a quart of milk. Yeah. The, 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 exactly right. So if a quart of milk is poured out of a out of a bottle, um, the the bottle has to be big enough to hold the quart. And so God, if He is going to be distributing any power, God is the source of all power. God actually, this is this is the part that's, that is challenging to understand. So God now all of a sudden is all power. 
He's greater than all power. He is absolute power. He is the source of all power. One of the challenging things to try to wrap our heads around in terms of God's omnipotence is Him being greater than the source of all. Wow. Does it matter? He's even greater than all power. <laughs> He's even greater than all power. Agree or disagree? Almighty, all powerful, omniscient. I, you know, yeah, he's above all. That's that's the part in, in this in this idea that we're trying to grasp of his omnipotence. It's a little challenging to 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 grapple with. The rest of it actually isn't that difficult. So, um, if we take a look at God, gives power, and yet He retains it because He can't give it all away because He is the source of it. He has it all. It all belongs to him. So, Hebrews 1 3. Did you change that to say, like, he shares his power? Instead of gives? What's the context? Like, he shares his power to create. Did he? Did he share it with creation? Because he didn't lose any power. Well. I, no, I don't think you can say that. <laughs> but we're going to take a look at that because we're going to talk about that right now. So God gives power, but but He retains it. Did anybody walk through that in this particular chapter from Tozer? He had quite a bit to say about that, but I thought it was pretty accurate, biblically speaking. God gives power, but He still retains it. Hebrews one three. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Reminds me of what we were talking about just a, just a <laughs> moment ago. The sun, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, exact representation of God's being, Sustaining, and this is what's relevant for our discussion, sustaining all things by his powerful word. John 1 1. Don't go there. You already know it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Powerful, powerful <coughs> scriptures. We're talking about God's omnipotence here because Hebrews 1 3 tells us that, that, um, that Jesus is sustaining all things by his powerful work. Yeah? It says so, right? In scripture, it says he sustains all things. What are all things? All things. Okay, personalize it as, you know. I don't want the Sunday school answer. I don't want the church answer. I want the personal answer. Okay. Hebrews 1.3 says the Son, that's Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His, that's God being. He sustains all things by His powerful word. 
personalize it. So Wes, does God's power sustain you? Keep it going. Has physical properties to it. That's interesting. Okay, so he's the one that holds the atoms together. We were having a conversation a couple days ago with somebody, I forget who it was, um, and we were talking about uh, the, the, the God, this, this creator God that is that is all powerful, uh, somehow or another, hangs the earth up here. Just it's hanging here. I don't have a clue how that works. But there it is. It just hangs there, and it's in the same spot all the time. It's, it, it's, I guess it spins, and it rotates, and it, it does all that kind of stuff. It's just it's a thousand miles right. now. Yeah, so, so it's in their speed, but, but it's always there. And it's, it's sustained. Somehow, it's, it's there, like, all the time. I don't know how long it's there. But, but he put it there. So he sustains things. But you're still not getting the personalized part of it yet. I, I want to hear somebody tell me something personal about God's power. Well, one thing, when you get to be my age, you realize that you don't have all the power. <laughs> <laughs> then you realize you don't have all the power. You realize it has to be God, and you can give it to life, and life. I had a discussion a couple of weeks ago with somebody that said that you, you people around here that are parents, which is pretty much all of you at one time or another, you know, that they said that their teenage daughter told them that they, uh, the daughter said to the mother, I hate you. Powerful word. And, yeah, must be doing something right. And, but, but the person I was talking to got into this vortex over that, over that comment and was just like circling the drain. Devastated by this comment. Of course, how hurtful, I mean, that's about as hurtful a thing as you could say to somebody. A very emotional time and all this was going on. But, um, I, I use this as an example because you're not being forthcoming with me. So I'm going to use somebody else's story because nobody here has, is prepared. Because it's hard. It's hard to say how you personalize the omnipotence of God in your life. Because this person whose life was circling the dream because of this comment, because she felt like she couldn't do anything about it, had access to what? What? Prayer and the Holy Spirit and... God's power. Let me see. I don't know. It, it was 
it was interesting that this was happening because God everything happens right on time. But you know, it says that you know, with, with God, all things are possible. No. Okay. Did that mean that she shouldn't have been hurt by that? No. 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 But I, she told me there's nothing I can do about that. That's not true. Personalize it, guys. That's all I'm trying to say. Personalize it. You see, the church doesn't do that very well. We're not really good on that side. Because we like to give Sunday school answers, and this is not the place to do it. But when you when you get together, you know, come on, guys. Let's let's personalize it. This is the all-powerful God that created everything. That sustains everything. That you say by revelation, you believe. And then he tells us it's a supernatural thing. And when stuff happens in our life, we don't access the power. Well, it's like I was saying earlier today. There's a balance there, though, isn't there? Okay? There's a balance there. So, somebody in the room tonight has recently been to the doctor and has got a, a prostate that is four times enlarged the size of normal. Somebody in this room. Uh, and a bladder that is so enlarged that the doctors can't tell them how long it's going to work. Uh, and a myriad of other issues. Medical issues. And that person is in this room. And um, if they want it to be known who they are, they'll tell you so that we can pray for them. But we can pray for them in any event. Even if we don't know who they are. Amen? Amen. How then do we personalize the power of God, all powerful, in our lives as it relates to whatever situation we're in? How? I'm going to God with it. I'm going to God with it. Going to God with it? Okay. By, by believing that it's in His will that He'll do something about it? By believing. And how do you believe? Why do you believe? God's a promise keeper. Oh. Interesting. By revelation, we know that supernaturally that we have access to what the Bible says is resurrected power. Okay? And so, this power of God, this God that we serve, the God that is all-powerful, that sustains everything, that created everything, that has all the power, all of it, okay? and He is the source of it, and He gives it to us without depleting Himself at all, and if you believe that you have access 
to that power of God because He gives it to you. What does God's Word say? That when you believe, what happens? You are filled what? With what? The Holy Spirit. And and who is the Holy Spirit? It's not a it's not a it. Okay? It's a person. It is the person of the Godhead. It is, it is God the Holy Spirit that infills you. And this is the same God that the Bible tells me is omnipotent. Fills us. You believe it? Personalize it. Thank you. But in our human and I don't mean we still try to do it in our own power. Kathy, can you come up here and repeat those exact words that you said just a while ago? I know, I know you probably didn't, but they were beautiful. Why do we do that? Because we are human and we're solid and, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, God is the last resort, which is crazy. You know, now I think, that's crazy. God should be the first resort. But in our human, that isn't, you know. Okay. Could you choose not? Could you choose not to do that? Yes. You could choose not to do that. Tozer uses the law of nature to illustrate this thing that God gives the power but doesn't lose it. And you remember? You remember what he uses? We don't. I don't care what he uses. What are the laws of nature? What is, what is a law of nature? Any law of nature? Well, okay, that fan turning around there is certainly the law of nature says it's going to be more air. Okay, there's a law of nature. What's another law of nature? The blood circulates through our veins. Okay, blood circulates through your veins. Gravity. Gravity. That's, that's a law of, of nature. And when there's a chicken, there's going to be a chicken. When there's a chicken, he uses that one. I like that. So a chicken... Uh, a chicken lays an egg and it hatches, and an alligator doesn't come out. Yeah, right. A chicken comes out. That's a that's a that's a law of nature. Okay, when plants grow, they grow towards the light. Okay, that usually is up. They don't normally grow down. Now I don't want to talk about potatoes and all the things. That are <laughs> all the things that our scientists have discovered. Okay, okay. The laws of nature which God and where do those laws come from? God has created every law. God has created every law because God is all powerful. He is omnipotent. He has all the power. He is the source of all that power. But he gives some power to who? How much does he give us? How much power does God give you? Will you say that again, please? As much as you believe, you have. So the question then is, how much power of this omnipotent God that fills you in the person of the Holy Spirit, how much do you have? Us, 
Not even remotely close to omnipotent are we. This is God who is omnipotent that fills us with the power of His Spirit that all we have to do is believe and then appropriate. But what do we do? We try to do And when we go to God with our needs, when we go to God with our needs, what do we normally, how do we normally do that? As a last resort sometimes? We do it in prayer? When you pray, when you pray, do you ask God for what you need? I think a lot of times you have a lot of doubt. There's that great example of we take our bag and we take all these things out of it and come to the Lord and we put them back in the bag and put the bag up on our shoulder and walk off on that. Turn to Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Stop right there. We don't have to go any farther. Thank you, Gary. But none of our loved ones would ever die. What? No, because now what we have to do is we have to, now we have to address this omnipotent God with His will, because we're not omnipotent, just like we're not eternal. We saw that last week. We're not eternal. Steve learned that last week. You're not eternal, <laughs> and we're not omnipotent. These are attributes of God. We do not share that attribute of God. We are not omnipotent. We have this much power, but who has all the power? God does. And and Ephesians 3.20 says that this God that is omnipotent, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or can imagine? What does that mean in the context of God's omnipotence? It says that he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. His thoughts are above ours. Okay, there's the Isaiah quote again. Okay, his thoughts are above ours. But that's not my question. My question is, what does it mean that he, God, who is able... You said you believe this by revelation... He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Yeah, we read that. Nothing is impossible. He can do immeasurably more than we ask. We have to ask with the right heart. Okay. Do you believe? Anybody recall this? Scripture about, I don't know, I never moved the mountain. Anybody just call that in that text? It's literal, positive. I don't want to go there. The point is that God says that He can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So the person in this room right now that is frankly ill believes in the God of all creation who is omnipotent who can do immeasurably more than all we ask for, 
or men. According to the power that is at work within us. You have to keep it in context. And according to this world. Pardon me? And according to this In accordance with this world, because we have to take the whole counsel of God. Just, just like if, if you pray for someone to be healed and his will is for them to go home, they go home. Amen. But we still pray. Of course. And seek God's will. And we still believe. There becomes a really big life application issue when we start talking about this attribute of God. And we see that, is there anything too hard for God? Nothing is too hard for God. Personalize it. Do you believe that? Do you ever find yourself not asking God to deal with the hard stuff? And you don't want to bother Him? How about take it to the other side of the equation? How about this omnipotent God that is all powerful and He can do immeasurably more than we ever would even ask or even have the ability to imagine that He can and will and would do for us within His will, according to the power that is worked within us? What about the little stuff? Because Kathy, I think that's where we blow him off. No, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. But the other Kathy said, no, it really is a big deal. Because it's a, it's a spiritual thing. This is a supernatural thing. There is a, there is a point at which you have to decide that if this omnipotent God, this all-powerful God, if it is by revelation that you believe that, then why do you make the choice not to do what he says that you should do, which is go to him with everything? Because he can do immeasurably more than all we ask for him. It really could you say that one more time? I think I think it boils down to the fact that we really don't now that's a great question to ask ourselves as we leave here tonight. Do we really believe it? Because it's easy to sit in the pew in a church and say, I believe it. Oh God, I believe it. <laughs> do your actions suggest that you do or you don't? You I love it because you're, excuse me? You may not. There's that surrender thing again. It's the whole council. If we're going to appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us, because He's given it, He's given us everything we need, every bit of power that we need to access Him. For He will do it. We won't. We're not omnipotent. He is. For He will do immensely more than we ask. Do we ask with the right heart? and believe or do we circle the drain because our teenage daughter says I hate you well there's a balance in there of course I'm an emotional person I'm sure if my teenage daughter told me that I'd be crushed Jeremiah 32 27 you're not turn there says that I am the Lord the God of all mankind is anything too hard for me it's a rhetorical question and the answer is no. Every one of you would say that, right? I would. No. Job 42.2 says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours 
can be thwarted. I like that word, thwarted. It's just fun to say. <laughs> no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Do you believe that? No purpose of God can be thwarted. Nothing is too hard for him. Tozer has these four quotes. I'm going to wrap this up in a minute. Hard and easy don't apply to God. But do we project hard and easy onto God? So stop it. Why do we do that? I do it all the time. Yeah, what's the line between where I need to access God and where I got this God? I confuse that all the time. There's a gray area in my life where it's like, okay, I, you know, I've been gifted in a particular way and, I, and I'm totally ungifted in other ways. And so where I think I'm gifted, I just sometimes just happily do 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 and I go along my merry way and I completely even forget to be in the Spirit. When God says, no, you should be in the Spirit all the time, 100% of the time, pray without ceasing. And no, I am omnipotent without ceasing. <coughs> He also says, Tozer, God can do anything as easily as he can do anything else. For him it is. But for us it's not, Kathy. I like what you said because what we do is we do stuff in our flesh because we don't understand that God can do anything as easily as he can do anything else. The easy stuff and the hard stuff. There's no difference. It's like time to God. He doesn't understand time. There's no such thing as time. In his world, even though he created time. For us. Not for him. Okay? He's all powerful. <laughs> Nothing is hard for God. Nothing whatsoever. That's the 14th time we said that tonight. Do we believe it? And then in regards to the, to the person in this room that is having a medical issue right now... Tozer says this, biblically, absolutely accurate. There isn't a situation that God can't take care of. Not one. But most of us don't live that way. How many times He's made it easy. How many times do we pray thinking that we really don't uh, deserve it? Or when I ask this question out loud, how much of your day today were you in the spirit? And how much of your day today were you just in the flesh? <coughs> Don't answer. Tomorrow provided God gives you the opportunity for breath tomorrow. You can choose today if he gives you breath tomorrow how much of the time you are going to be in the spirit tomorrow. <laughs> Having access to his omnipotence. <clears throat> Having access to it in the spirit and just not even being in flesh. God or aren't we? John 15, 5 says that I am the vine, 
you are the branches. If you remain in me, you all know this, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In the flesh, I can do tons of stuff. In the spirit, not a thing. That's what Kathy was talking about. The take home today is what Kathy Bodycomb said. That's the take home. This is really about understanding who God is supernaturally in the spirit. So apart from me, you can do nothing. Does that apply to God's <coughs> omnipotence? Huh? And in the end, he says, you'll bear much fruit. Except apart from me, you can do nothing. You can bear no spiritual fruit. It's impossible. There is none to be born outside of the Spirit of God in you. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. So, why do we focus on the how and the why of who God is when it's the what and who He is that matters? We get all wrapped up, don't we? How does God do that? Why does God do that? Why? 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 Like three-year-old sometimes. I mean, that's me. Why God? Why God? I spend as much time asking the why question when I think what God wants in His omnipotence is for us to understand that it's the what that matters. I kind of feel like you're saying that he wants us to consider him more of the time than we do. I catch myself thanking him for little things that I realize are blessings that he had happen, and then feeling embarrassed before the Lord and the fact that I didn't ask for help in things like that. Hmm. That's reasoning. And that, there it is. There's another perfect example. We think that God, well, God doesn't, you know, He won't do that for us because there's, I was, Mike and I were talking tonight. We were talking about poor people because we were talking about Mark and, and, and his wife Susan being in Haiti and all these people, like, and, and they've got nothing. They've got nothing. And here we are, and we're filthy rich, you know, in terms of, in terms of material possessions. Okay? But they are just as rich as we are, and vice versa. Spiritually, if we accept Christ, we are rich, spiritually speaking. This other stuff doesn't matter because it all belongs to God. He can take it away in a heartbeat, right? And so we were talking about that in terms of, of, of comparison. Why are we so wrapped up in the fact that our, our teenage daughter said, I hate you, when that's not what she really meant. What she probably really meant when she said that was, I'm mad at you because you won't let me do what I want to do. That's, I think that's what she really said. Okay? Well, she's going to be over that in like 24 hours. Okay, but am I'm, I'm going to circle the drain for the next six months because my teenage daughter said that? Maybe inappropriately. So, what is the life application for you in God's truth of His omnipotence in your life? 
Don't put it up here. It's not 25,000 feet. We're not cruising. <coughs> we got to take it. We just landed. Okay? Sorry for that analogy. But we're, here we are. We're at ground level, and God is omnipotent. What does it mean in your life? Personally, this moment. And how is that going to look if God gives you breath tomorrow? <coughs> Well, if you really know that, you should be more in your life with more joy. With what? More joy. More. Instead of down on Okay, I only have one problem with that response. It's right on every level except one. Okay. Here's what you should have said. Tomorrow, I am going to walk in joy. <laughs> Well, I shouldn't walk in time. <laughs> well, this is God we're talking about here. This is the God of all creation, the God that is all powerful, the, the God that the, the, this 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 one in essence God that has God the Holy Spirit that He said that if you put your faith in my Son Christ Jesus, I will come in and live in you. You know, I could live that tomorrow if everybody stayed out of one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the crazy thing. And they're not going to do it, but I'm going to be joyful. God's omnipotence <laughs> is something that is actually easily applicable to our everyday, every hour life. Do we just believe it? That's all we got to do. We just got to believe it. So just make the choice. Get out of the flesh and get in the spirit. But we're stupid. Of course we are. <laughs> Even told you said that last week. We're stupid. I like that. Every one of us did is. Say spend more time in the spirit. No, be in the spirit. You're you're going to choose not to be in the spirit. I should means I won't. That's what that means. So change your language. I will. This is what I'm based on the truth of God's word. <coughs> I, I believe and I appropriate this moment, the power, all power. He's got it all. Access him in everything, including when you go and you you go to the refrigerator. By thanking him that it's full. Because there's people that her husband and, and his wife are in a place where they don't even have a refrigerator and they don't know what they're going to eat tomorrow. <coughs> they were given sandwiches, according to what I read in the newsletter today, because those people probably didn't have anything to eat. Okay? But they still serve and were still created by the same omnipotent God. See, it's all by revelation. And if we understand it by revelation, then we should live it. Not should, not maybe, not don't, not we're stupid, even though all of those apply. We still have the choice to access and appropriate what God has already given us in his all-powerfulness through the power of the Spirit supernaturally to live in that spirit to overcome hatred deceit malice 
the Bible has a list of all those types. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. And forgiveness. Oh, And maybe tonight God's revealed something to us in terms of just, wow, God's omnipotent. <laughs> you know, that's cool. Isn't it? I mean, when we're talking about we're talking about an omnipotent God that we have a personal relationship with. Person, that's why I say personalize it. We have a personal relationship with the God that is omnipotent. And we know what that means now. All powerful. He loves us. Each one of us the same. And we were created in his image. Kidding me? I get the fact that he's powerful because I'm stupid. <laughs> and I'm not powerful. The earth hangs out here. That's all I gotta know. That's it. I think Tozer said something like that, and I get it. I get that. God did that. I don't have a clue how that happened. I don't have a clue how most things happen. But I know God is powerful. All powerful. And he loves us like he can't believe. Mark 9, 14 through 24 is the story, if you will remember, when it goes to this. And I'll just read it real quick. They came to, um, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of all arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit and has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, he throws him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus says, If you can... Sound familiar? If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, this guy got it. He got out of himself being stupid all of a sudden, and he said, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Can we walk out of here tonight? Praying that God would help us in our unbelief, I would submit biblically that nobody completely believes. We don't have it in us. We have the power that we can appropriate, but we don't. So let's pray that we will supernaturally, we will appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit in us to live the life that God wants us to because He is all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing, all, powerful, all, loving, all, knowing, all, <coughs> all the attributes that we're looking for.
looking at over ten summer nights. Amen. Robert, will you come and lead us in a in a song? And whatever God revealed to you tonight, if we're breathing tomorrow, because you know that's not guaranteed. If we're breathing tomorrow, can we just make some choices about this awesome God that is all powerful? Then we are privileged to serve until he comes. Amen.